welcome to this episode of the Jersey Watch podcast. My name is Dalton. I'm your host. Today, I have a new guest on. had had him on before, Dan from Flash Jerseys. Uh, Dan, how are you doing today? Good, man. Good. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. Well, for starters, since we haven't had you on, I got to ask. So you, Dan does like uh, jersey selling and stuff on Instagram. What all do you do with that? What got you started in that? Are you a seller first? Are you a collector first? What kind of got you into all that? Right. Uh, well, I'm a diehard Wisconsin fan, you know, grew up that way. And I think it's almost uh, a rite of passage when you grow up in Wisconsin, especially around my age, you get a Brett Favre jersey, you know, before you can even walk. Um, I actually pulled one out that I actually had as a kid. It's a little far. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah, man. (laughs) Um, That's like almost part of your baptism here in Wisconsin. And now that we transitioned right into Raj, I'm sure now this generation's getting that. That was my very first jersey. And since then, it's I've just been enamored with like, you know, watching the athletes on the screen and then being able to wear what they wear and going out and getting it and finding my favorite players is just always kind of enthused me. And that kind of started my collection. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized other people are, have their own collections, you know, and if I can help them out, you know, I I try to do what I can. Yo, man, that is awesome. Um, As far as now, I know you're a big Jersey guy, but also, like you said, you're a big Wisconsin fan. Uh, pulled out the Brett Favre. That means you're also a big Milwaukee Bucks fan. And yes, that's sir. one of that's one of the main things uh, we want to talk about. But first, um, have you seen the MLB All-Star jerseys? Yeah, I just I, I saw them when they dropped. And, and if it's correct, you know, if I saw the right ones, it looks like they're going to do kind of a standard edition for the AL and ML or NL with just a slight variation to the abbreviation and then the team logo. For the patch right so this for this year's all-star game be the first time in almost 90 years that they will wear the all-star game jerseys in the actual game um, national league will be wearing white and american league will be wearing blue uh at first glance they didn't look like they changed the colors too much because as we know the game was supposed to be in atlanta but it got moved they did add the new rockies all-star patch to the sleeve and the american flag is on the opposite sleeve they added the American flag to the Blue Jays jersey, which I don't really understand why. I don't know. I don't get that. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? That is odd. I mean, I get that the game will be played in the United States, but obviously Toronto's in Canada and that's their home country. That's Canada's team, you know. Yeah, exactly. That they'd almost try to represent or be inclusive to them as possible, especially with what they've got going on as far as COVID protocols, you know, they haven't been able to enjoy live sports like we have quite in America. So that's a bit odd on MLB, MLB's move, but as we've seen in the past, Major League Baseball is very United States heavy, you know. I always thought that was, I don't know, the idea of it was weird. Cause even when you see like patches, like the NBA did for 9-11, the Raptors had a patch and it included both flags in that patch and all the American teams just had the flag. Why MLB wouldn't even think about something like that. I don't even know. I think, you know, they'll probably face some backlash from it. Once people actually start getting them, especially if you're a a Canadian that's buying a Toronto all-star Jersey, you're not going to want the American patch, you know, so maybe this is something that they can learn from and, and make corrections to in the future. 
Yeah. Another thing on the jersey, uh, there was a floral pattern on the inside collar and on the sleeves. I have no idea where that came from or how that came about. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for Atlanta. It really doesn't make sense for Colorado. It just looks we it just looks out of place. It's not it, I don't know. I feel like somebody forgot what they were supposed to do and just pasted something that, in. That may have cost someone their job or something like f- a floral design when it's in Colorado. You would think they would go something more mountainous or something more, you know. Exactly. Sociological. I don't know. That was weird. It seems like, you know, they tried to hit a home run here and they may have gotten like a swinging bunt. <laughs> yeah, it is. At first glance, I liked it because the first ones I saw was I saw the Braves ones and I'm a Texas Rangers fan uh, for baseball. I know. I know. It's weird. I, I get it a lot. But. Like the Texas one looked pretty cool because they're, you know, Americans. So they had the Navy. I was like, okay, I like this. And I posted a poll on Jersey Watch Instagram and, of course, on uh, Reddit and TikTok. And everyone hates these jerseys. Every, everyone on IG, it was uh, 40 60 in favor of hating. Uh, Reddit, I didn't get, I didn't get but like two positive comments on Reddit. I had like 70 other comments that were like, this is absolute trash. It is the worst thing they've ever made. And a lot of it was due to the color choice, along with a lot of people just didn't like the logo over top of the city initials. They were like, if they picked one or the other, it would be okay. Right, right. I am a personal favorite of, you know, the whoever's the home team being able to wear their home jersey and whoever's the away team being able to represent their team with their away jersey. I think, you know, personally – let the MLB players go and look through their team's jerseys. And if they have a favorite one, especially now that they're introducing these city jerseys, I think the players should have like full grasp. They're some of the best players in the league. Obviously they're making the all-star game. Exactly. Uh, let them have some say in what they're wearing, but the MLB is going to try to keep that as a tight ship as it can. Yeah. I just feel I like, they, feel didn't like they didn't listen to listen anything, to anything outside on these. And I feel like that's where they made their biggest mistake. Uh, but moving on from that, I wanted to – big reason for having you today is, of course, the NBA playoffs. Uh, you're a big Bucks fan. I'm a big Hawks fan. Um, really, this has been a weird series. Like, overall, it's just – it's been very unique. I've never seen a playoff series quite like this one. So, in game one, there were uh, lots of stuff going on. There were 19 lead changes – I believe, uh, did Atlanta win game one? Atlanta won game one on the road, um, which they had won three straight game ones, which were all on the road this year in the playoffs, which I thought was interesting. The Hawks are coming out swinging, you know, and they've been the underdog all throughout the playoffs. I think that's the biggest thing from a fan perspective is that those teams have been like, oh, it's the Hawks. And even Ben Simmons made a comment. There was a video that resurfaced where Ben was playing some type of game. I think he was – I don't know, he was streaming while he was playing a game and he was playing with another NBA player. And he was like, I can't play, I have a game tomorrow. And Ben asked him who they were playing. He was like, the Hawks. And he goes, oh, you can stay on for like three more games. And I didn't see the video when it first came out, but I was like, damn, I bet he's like wishing he hadn't said that. Yeah, Ben really slept on him. And now look at him. He's the one watching him from home. So I mean, <laughs> exactly. that doesn't, that like totally encompasses what the Hawks have been about. I think they've totally embraced the underdog role and have just come out and like absolute the scrappy dog in each fight 
Exactly. Exactly. And even the, and the Bucks too, though. But because you look at that Brooklyn series, and I mean, they were a few toes over the line away from being sent home. But I think that was that was huge. AD <laughs> said it himself. You know, it was his big ass toe that kept him from kept him from going to the ECF. So exactly. I, as a Bucks fan, I think a lot of us and and maybe the Milwaukee Bucks players kind of counted that as our Eastern Conference Finals. You know, okay, we beat the Nets and look past the Hawks, and then the Hawks came out and punched us right in the mouth in game one at home in Milwaukee. So it's – and I mean, obviously we came and took game two and game three, and but then last night with game four, it was just, you know, that gutting Giannis injury. That could – obviously yeah, that – so let's, so let's talk about that. Let's start – we know game one when Trey Young had 48 points, Giannis had 34 points, Holiday had 33 points. Um, Connington played off on game one. Game two, Giannis went for 25, nine, and six. Holiday was great. Herder, Lou Williams, uh, Bogdanovich struggled for Atlanta. Um, Trey Young went one for eight. Game three is an interesting game. Um, Middleton dropped 38 points out of nowhere. Like, I didn't expect that to happen. Trey had 35. Giannis had 33. Bobby Portis had 15. Um, I have on here my notes for game three. Uh, they left Young open again, so we tried to hit him with another shimmy. Uh, you know, good defense, whatever. Uh, Collins was in foul trouble. Uh, Young, of course, had the freak accident where he stepped on the referee's foot. And, you know, it just felt like after Young got out, Middleton just kept going off trying to secure this win. Yeah, came in in the fourth quarter there I- – I don't know what happened, but that is probably the best uh, that you'll see out of Chris Middleton. You know, he's as streaky a shooter as they come. Uh, and Him and Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely right. Chris Middleton was a flamethrower that night, and I don't think there's a spot on the floor that he would have missed from. I mean, that guy, I think he slept on because he loves that low-efficiency mid-range jumper. But when, when he gets in a groove and starts stepping behind that arc, he can – put up points. I mean, he's a two-time all-star for a reason. He can put up I points. Was, I was shocked he did what he did because he also had like 11 rebounds and seven assists. I mean, he was keeping people in ball. He really kept them in the game and kept it going there. Um, I got to ask you, I noticed this in game three and it happened again in game four. Why the heck is Giannis taking three-pointers just randomly? Like not even for good, like he's not even open and he'll take a obscure three-pointer. That's something, I mean, you kind of, as a Hawks fan, you're familiar with Mike Boonholder's system. It's let it fly, you know, step outside, and that's something that – Very much so. I feel like he's pushing on Giannis. But if you look at the numbers, it just doesn't make sense. He's not a good three-point shooter. And if you – even from just the eye test, it doesn't look pretty either. You know, the numbers look ugly. The actual shot looks ugly. He airballed – I believe it was two three-pointers he airballed in game four. Yes. And it was just like, and it's no, I mean, he's, he's been dominant when he's driving this entire, like every series he's been dumb or every game in this series, even if you go back to last series and same thing with Ben Simmons, I thought in the previous series, but every time Giannis drives and is dominant in the post, the Bucks win. And especially versus this Hawks team, he's the, the, the two games that or was, yeah, the two games they won, they were dominant in the post with Giannis. So why waver from that? Why be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to take a three today. Like, no Giannis. Like, even, we, you know, I feel like Chris Middleton's – that's Chris Middleton's job. 
if you're gonna have him there to be your Robin to your Batman, that's that's what you have him for. The books are built for that. We have plenty of, I mean, guys that can sit outside the arc. PJ Tucker in the corner, Connington, his shot. Pat Connington from you know one of the wing spots, and then Bryn Forbes, who is literally there only to shoot three point shots. Exactly. Yeah, I Giannis's job should be to crash the paint, and if they do want to collapse on him. Let, let him kick out to those three-point shooters that we were just talking about. But you're right. The numbers show when, when Giannis is going to the paint, I think it was something like he's got like a 75% field goal percentage when he's within the restricted area. It's just they're, he's putting up Shaq numbers, 30, 10, and 5 throughout this playoffs. Like Exactly. We haven't seen this since 2000 Shaq and Kobe days. You know, so. They were actually uh... – I forgot what I was watching something on ESPN. They were comparing prime Shaq to this year's Giannis playoff numbers. And they're pretty much identical. Like they're pretty much identical. And people were always like, they're not willing to put Giannis as like, oh, well, Giannis can do that and lead that team uh, to a finals appearance or a championship. And I'm like, he's got the numbers. Something I was just reading is why don't we try to just do what Phil Jackson did with Shaq, just let him sit down in the post. There's very few defenders in the M- NBA that could handle that, you know? Right. Maybe we could count them on one hand. And, try. I mean, Mike Budenholzer's very strict on his system. You know, he doesn't like to devi- deviate away from it. But And his system's never been defense-oriented either. No. <laughs> it's, there's, there's a lot of flaws in there. But I do think that would help. Grab the rebound and let it fly is his motto. So it's like, I think what they want from Giannis is to crash and kick. And like I said, if, if they want to stay out on the perimeter and defend those shooters, then Giannis is going to have a one-on-one look at the rim. And, you know, no one can stop at that, the NBA. It's when they start to crash. Then we need our shooters to make their shots. And, you know, game four, they did not do that. And it cost us the game. Yeah, I feel like throughout this series, we've seen Capella really struggle to really handle Giannis in the post just from, like, a sheer physical standpoint. Like, if Giannis is coming in at full speed, there's really not much you can do. Like, even in – I don't know. I think it was game four. It might have been game three. Giannis came in, and he did a spin move, and just – he was still several feet away but his arm like grew an extra foot long when he got in the air and he just dunked it anyway. And I was like, I, don't, I can't think of anybody else that could do that. Right. Like, or that spin good. move where he hit it on the left spun, right. And then gave him the jelly roll at the right. end. He just he like, kind of exactly he was able to palm the ball. Like, like we palm nerf basketballs, <laughs> exactly. so you can manipulate the ball like that in midair. And Nate McMillan tried throwing poor Clint Capella with a one-on-one and, you know, Good luck. Uh, I think Clint could have handled him if he was more athletic. That's the problem. Clint is too slow to be put on Giannis. Physically, he can kind of match up, but he's too slow. Giannis can easily go around Capella. And those that are fast enough to guard Giannis are too small. Exactly. It's a hard – it's a hard – Pick your poison there if you want to It's a two-edged sword on that one. Like, it's it's very difficult. Clint and John Collins, you know, they're almost kind of set up as – Toronto has been in the past when they had Siakam and Kawhi, you know, those long, bigger bodies, but they're still athletic. If, if there's two guys that you want defending the paint against Giannis, it's, I'd say it's those two. I would definitely say it's a good matchup because uh, it's worked out. In game four, uh, Trey Young was out. Um, 
Lou Williams actually got his first playoff start of his career. Um, I had, I've been right as I've watched the series. I'm like Lou Williams needs, or not Lou Williams, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich really needs to step up. Um, unfortunately, Giannis did get hurt uh, halfway through the third quarter. I think that's because they were on, they were within 10 and Giannis was doing his best there. How do you, I mean, do you think Giannis is him being out is really going to affect the series? Well, or depending on how well, obviously it'll affect the series. You know, you're taking away a top five player in the NBA out of the series. I just think, is it going to cost the Bucks? I think that strictly determines whether or not Trey Young plays. Um, as biased as I am towards the Bucks, I'd say if Trey Young is out, Chris Middleton is the best player on the court. Uh, I, I would agree with that. You, right? And, Absolutely. Yeah. And if if you are the best player on the court, then your team should have a chance to win. Uh, we got. We got game five at home, game six back back in Atlanta. Um, if things go as planned, I, I, I see the series going game seven. And in Milwaukee, anything can happen. It depends on what Chris Middleton we get. Are we going to get game three, fourth quarter Chris Middleton, or are we going to get game four, first half Chris Middleton? Where that guy Exactly. Was and, I, and like you said, I mean, Middleton is the best player left in this series because you look at uh, Bogey, he's, Bogey struggled. Most of the series, except for game four, that's really the only game he stepped up and did his, did his thing. And even then he shot poorly in that game. He shot like below 35% from the field, even though he did get his numbers, but like, I mean, your next best player is either, it's either going to be bogey or Collins after Middleton. And Collins is really only set up to succeed when Trey is on the floor. Is, is lemon pepper Lou going to the wing shack? (laughs) 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 <laughs> uh, I don't think he can keep up what he did in game four for the rest of the series. Is he going to keep starting for you guys? As far as I'm aware of, yes. If Trey is out, he will start. Okay. And I guess that obviously. Because the only other back- option would be to plug in like Cam Reddish. Right. And he, Cam Reddish played a hell of a game, game four. He, he did. Defended Chris yeah. Middleton very well and he shot the ball. He stepped and I was up. like, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe this guy's for I real. was very surprised. Now, Cam Reddish has been very spotty uh, watching him during the season and all that. But in game game three was the first game he had played since February 21st. So then to come out in game four and be a playoff game, just, just come out there and do your thing. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed with him. I I got to see him play in college a little bit, but I don't know. I'm still skeptical of, of Cam Reddish and everything that he can do, but for game four, he really did step it up and was one of a kind. If you had to make a prediction, we're sitting here right now. Both of our best players are out 2-2. Where do you see this series heading? I don't think Kevin Herter or, or Danilo Gallinari can go crazy in game. Uh, was it five? Yeah, it'll be game five. Uh, in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee. I, I just don't see it. I I see them going crazy in game six, but but that's the thing. Like it's so much could happen. Middleton could have a, a somewhat good game in five, and then he could have a somewhat bad game. But if Holiday goes off in six, I think the Bucks win in six. It, it's it's really up in the air. If if we can get consistent play from Gallinari and Herder, I think Hawks win in six. You're just gonna which, which Hawk team shows up, right? Yeah, it really just depends. Like, I mean, if Lou Williams is on point, we still got to have those other guys be key shooters because you can't just have Lou Williams drop 30 
and expect to win. That's not a winning formula for any playoff team. Yeah, it was. It hasn't been for the Clippers for the past couple of years. I know it isn't going to be for this Atlanta team. I think for the Bucks personally, it's going to depend on, you know, who we plug into that starting role. I think we'll we'll play real small ball, and it, it's right now I think between Pat Connington starting the two and bumping Chris to the three. Who or, currently comes in for Giannis? Yeah, well, we have Bobby Portis, but he is okay. really like our our bench guy, and he didn't play the final three games against Brooklyn. This is, I mean, right. was it game three when he had 15? Game, yes. Game three, he had 15. That was the first impactful moment he's had this playoff run. Um, he is like lightning in a bottle. I would say, you know, Chris Middleton's as inconsistent as they come. I'd say it's going to come down to seven games in Milwaukee and, and I'm going to, throw up a prayer and say Bucks in seven. Honestly, I just hope everyone stays healthy and yeah. we get a good finish to this series out of it because I am – At least give the East a chance against the West. Exactly. Well, I think either if, – if Stars can come back healthy, which I hope they do. I mean, I don't give any Western team a certain edge over an Eastern Conference team at this point. I still think it's a toss-up. With Kawhi being – with Kawhi being out. As well, I would say the same thing. You know, Phoenix is Phoenix is fierce. Phoenix is fierce. Phoenix is coming. They, they, they're, they're inexperienced. I mean, Chris Paul has been a dog. But, I mean, if he's getting locked up by Drew, I don't know who would, who would even guard Chris on Atlanta. And who would guard Devin Booker? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where they could plug – that game if might Trey, if Trey was healthy, I don't know where they could put Trey to where they could hide him because right now they've been hiding Trey on PJ Tucker. I don't know where they and could end up hiding him on the being played in that finals if it's Atlanta, Phoenix, you know. Oh, yeah, that's ugh. I don't even want to think about it yet. I'm so I'm still so nervous, uh, right now with the conference finals. I don't even I don't want to think about the finals yet. It's like try like, yeah, no, we'll no, no jinx in it, but Hawks, Hawks and six. And right. You said Bucks and seven. Bucks and but seven. Let's move on. Speaking of Suns Clippers, let's talk about it. So Suns Clippers has gone pretty much like the last two series have gone. We got the Clippers losing the first two games, and of course them winning the next two games, uh, pretty much because they won. Yes, they or no, they lost Game Four. So I think right now it's three two Phoenix. Three two Phoenix. Yep. Um, Right, uh, I believe they play. We're recording this on a is it Wednesday? It's Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. So they play tonight. Um, reason I wanted to do this early is because I really wanted to watch that game. <laughs> Chris Paul. I was like, I was like, I really don't want to miss this game. But basically, game one kind of went as expected. Phoenix just came out and just hit him in the mouth. Um, game two, same thing. Devin Booker, of course. Uh, I couldn't, he broke, he ran into Patrick, he hit Patrick Beverly in the face, I believe, and basically broke his nose. And since then, he's not been the same player, like, at all. He had, I believe he had 30 not long ago. What was it, game four or game five? Game five, he had 31 points, um, and they still could not close out. But Chris Paul coming out, coming out from COVID, he couldn't really get going either, Uh Chris Paul was really superstitious about the whole three, one thing. 
how do you think this series has gone and how do you think in what direction do you see it going? Well, they have a chance to close it up tonight. As we just said, you know, they have a three, two lead. Um, it's going to come in playoff P man. He's kind of LA kind of tried to build that, that well-rounded team. And, and slowly they've been, you know, getting hurt and, and dropping off and playing inconsistently. I just think Phoenix is, is playing with more fire than LA right now. And it's tough to, to bet against the Clippers, but Devin Booker can only have so many bad games. The guy's one of the best shooters in the league. You know, I, I think it's time for him this game. I think he'll, he'll rebound. Yeah, we saw him in the last game. I mean, just in game five, he dropped 31. Right. And that was with a poor shooting performance uh, and considerably percentage wise. Well, the mat, the match will still be on tonight. Correct. I think they'll set yes, the for the series for sure. With it. He, he had made the comment. He didn't cause he took it off for part of game four. And he was like, I didn't realize how much I got hit in the face without wearing it. Right. So that's right. why he showed up and get, I, I assume he continued to wear it throughout the rest Going of the in fighting for a rebound and stuff. You know, you, you, you catch those random things and I got Phoenix winning tonight and I got Phoenix winning in six. I hope Phoenix win in six. As, um, as a, as a Hawks fan, who would you rather play in the finals? I want to play Phoenix. I, I agree with you. Cause I think if Kawhi is cleared, we could, I believe the Hawks in the, in, I think from, and I'll, I'll let you go into that, but like, as from a Hawks perspective, the Phoenix is a better matchup as far as defense versus offense. Cause we have really nobody to guard a guy. Like you saw what Giannis did to the Hawks. We don't have anybody that can guard Giannis. I'm not going to say Danilo Gallinari is just going to totally clamp <laughs> down. Like people look at me like I was nuts. Like I, I was like, I'm not delusional. I'm aware of that. But like you got to look at it from this perspective. We don't have if if Kawhi comes back, if Paul George continues to do this, we don't have a guy that can really shut him down at the like small forward power forward spot defensively. Like John Collins is great, but I'm not picking him to shut down Paul George. Like you don't believe in Tony Snell. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. Now he's Tony Snow's proving he could do stuff like that, but for a whole series, like let's say it did go to seven, no, I'm, I'm sorry, like the Sun Suns would win that in seven, um, or not Suns, uh, the Clippers would probably win that in seven. They might even win that in six. It's like because we just don't have yes anybody to match it. It's like good thing with Giannis is, is that you know everything you know Middleton's been great, but with the injury and all that, we actually have a shot to close it. Absolutely. It's, like, two, two, it's anyone's ballgame. I mean, just yesterday before tip-off out, Bucks fans were excited. You know, we were counting our triggers before they had. Trey Young's hurt. We're going to go take this game on the road. We're going to go back and close it out at home. And I expected the Bucks to win that game. Who didn't? I, I, I did. I mean, but the Hawks came out and they dominated. I was shocked. I was over, I was standing up, like, screaming. I was like, oh, this is happening. Like, this is like we're actually going to win a game without Trey. Uh but as far as the Clippers go, Booker has really struck. And Paul George struggled. In game four, he shot one for nine from three, uh, 25% from the field. Booker shot 0 for five from three. My Chris Paul shot 27%. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this series, as far as Suns Clippers, where the heck has this Paul George been this whole time? Like, this is Indiana Paul George Absolutely. playing in a Clippers uniform. Where was this when he was in, even in OKC or whatever, when he was almost an MVP? Like, 
where, where was this last year? They were up 3-1 on Nuggets last year. Where was this Paul George then? Paul George kind of – he reminds me of a guy that just he, – he needs the ball. In, in Indiana, like you said, Pacers, Paul George, he was the guy. It was like, all right, Paul, go out and get us 30 points, and he does that. Now without Kawhi, he puts it upon himself, but it's – how much longer can Paul George do that at this point, you know? What kills me, like – they're, I've, you know, you watch the broadcast, they're talking about like, oh, he's played a lot of minutes. He played, I think he played like 43 of the 48 minutes in the other night's game. And he had done that like twice in back-to-back games. And they're like, how much longer can he do this? And I'm like, LeBron went to eight straight finals playing almost every single second. Right. Like that trying still- to get the Cavs to at least even win one game versus the Warriors. Right. Like Absolutely. you're telling me Paul George can't handle two back-to-back 43-minute nights. Well, and we don't even have to stop at LeBron. Go back to MJ in the 90s, or you want to talk about some of the 80s. But exactly. and Larry Bird were playing. They were playing all 48 for six, seven games. Like, yeah, they weren't going to be like, yeah, you take Larry and Magic. They're like, all right, if he's in the game, I'm going to be in the game. Like, <laughs> right. So it's going to come down to that. But, I mean, Phoenix is stroking on all cylinders, and sometimes in the playoffs it comes down to the, the hottest team at the right time. And they're, they're my – West Coast team to come out right now is Phoenix. Yeah. I'm I'm really hoping Phoenix pulls it out. They've had great pieces added from Mikhail Bridges to Cam Johnson. Um, and even campaign. Like he just came out of nowhere. Like before the playoffs, no one was talking about campaign. He's out here, he filled in for Chris Paul, he did his job, he put up his points. Like it was fantastic. Like the last I heard from Cameron Payne, he was a bench player in Oklahoma. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, you know, he's showing up here and doing his thing in the playoffs. So props to Cameron Payne. This series has had great moments. If I, I got to say, this is one, one of the greatest playoff runs you could possibly see from a team. In game two, we had the Valley Oop with everything that came on. Uh, game three was, I mean, it wasn't that competitive, but it, I mean, it, was, it was a good game. Game four was good. Game five. I mean, my biggest takeaway from game five was that uh, Paul George just totally broke uh, Chris Paul. Yeah. Just that, like, that was tough. You almost sent him like right into the locker room with that move. <laughs> he sent him in. Mikhail Bridges tried to come up and help out, but it was already too late. Too George late. finished with 41 points. I mean, overall, you're picking the Suns to come out. Suns, uh, Suns in six, Suns tonight. Let's hope. I'm going with Suns too. Suns in. Six. All right. All right. So moving on, we got Team USA. Team USA roster was looked at as a joke even a couple weeks ago because there was only Damian Lillard and uh, what's his name? Draymond Green. Oh, I'm losing it. But now the full roster has released, and here are the names. We got Kevin Durant, uh, who was also on the Olympic team in 2012 and 2016. We got Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, Kevin Love. Uh, he was on the team in 2012. Draymond Green, who was on in 2016. We got uh, Bam Adebayo, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, two Bucks players, uh, and Jeremy Grant. Now, starting, I mean, guys from the top, we pretty much know, like, Kevin Durant, duh. If he wants to come, he can come. Damian Lillard. All-star player, Devin Booker, phenomenal. Um, now, I have here, uh, there were six 
all-stars this year that were selected for this team, those being Durant, Lillard, Booker, Tatum, Beal, and Levine. Uh, Levine and Booker were not voted to the all-star team. They were injury replacements. Like they came in because of an injured player, but they made it onto Team USA. What What are your takeaways from the roster as constructed? Well, I got to go first. You know, we got two of my Milwaukee Bucks on there, so I'm – that surprised me. I didn't expect two Bucks players to be on the Olympic team. Chris Middleton has been playing for Team USA. I think he was there in 2016, and I think he was on the 2012 or the 2014 FIBA team. Yes, um, Middleton so he, was on that. Yep. So he's been playing for you know Team USA, and I really think those two guys for us thought this was a great opportunity to get a ship and a gold medal in the same year. And if you're a hard worker and want to represent you know, USA in the Olympics, more power to you. I, I like the way Team USA shaped up here with it. Like you said, in the last couple of weeks, they really – They really did add because a lot of people were like, this is going to be a rough team, and then they just amazing. kept going from there, like just keep adding players. And we have we have some of the best coaches coaching the team. Pop's still running it, right? Right. Uh, they have Steve Kerr, Jay Wright from Villanova. USA has always been – you know, the powerhouse in Olympic basketball. And I don't think this year's any different. Um, I kind I of think with Ben there. Simmons not playing for Australia, it gives them a much greater chance at gold. Australia, I would say, would be the team. We're starting to get a lot of players in the NBA from Australia. Um, Giannis won't be playing for Team Greece now uh, with this right. knee injury. Um, I don't know. The only other team I could see is the, the French team. Um, that Rudy Gobert will be playing for. Now that team's supposed to be loaded. Yeah, that's the only other team I would worry about. But now that KD committed, in my eyes, KD is the best overall basketball player on the planet. I mean, that look, that that's up for debate. But that guy can shoot lights out, and he's definitely. If you were going to take any four, you can't name a foreign player better than KD. If you want, you could put Luca there right now. But I can't it, name a foreign player better than like. Damian Lillard on this team. No, for real. I mean, you look at it, and it's just like, all right, we got Durant, we got Lillard, uh, Booker is playing, and you know, with the face thing, Booker may not be 100% Booker, but he's still going to be Booker. You got Tatum. Tatum played out of his mind this year. Tatum's amazing. Tatum's going to be good too. I'm surprised. So the 2019 FIBA World Cup team are, of course, they didn't win. They had Kimball Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Uh, Bam was actually cut from that team. Uh, I believe Jeremy Grant did not go. Bradley Beal was on that team. Um, trying to think of who else was on the team. Booker and Trey Young both denied or not denied. Uh, did not go. But I mean, overall, the team looks good. I'm. I don't get exactly the Zach Levine pick on here. I have some question marks by the Kevin Love pick, some question marks by, but. Do you think for Kevin Love, they're giving him the pass as like, you know, he's the vet. He's, I mean, how many minutes is Kevin Love really going to see? Well, what kills me is that I saw a bunch of people, they got upset because Kevin Love made the team. In years past, and USA basketball has done this for several years now. If a guy has been in their system and they're familiar with him, they will pick him up over a certain player. Damian Lillard, this is his first team. Damian Lillard couldn't even get on a FIBA team. Which is wild. For the World Cup, for the first – like, he wasn't on that 2014 team. He got Pop – or Pop and Coach K, they cut him 
from that team. He did not step away. They cut him, which made me really mad then because he had just went nuts in the play. Same thing like Devin Booker is doing this year. Damien did that that year. Yeah. Obviously not a conference finals appearance, but he did, he played just as good and didn't get into the FIBA team. And then, of course, I believe he turned down the offer for the Olympics in 2016. Uh, I think he was hurt. Yep. That's that, that, hurt. I believe that's the reason why he turned it down. Um, of course, Clay still being hurt. Steph, you know, dealing with everything. He wanted some time. But Kevin Love, I mean, same thing. We saw, like I said, with guys that are in the system, they get picked. Like we saw this with Mason Plumley. He's one of Coach K's guys. I don't know how the heck he made it. Um, we saw it with Harrison Barnes, a Carolina guy. He would make it because he had been in it for so long. He'd been through the high school and the college and everything. And at, at that point, you know, if you got a guy that's familiar with your system, familiar with your coaches and your style of play, even if he's not a star player, he's a good role player in that system because he knows the system. And it's better than putting in a guy like, I don't know, we'll say Kevin Love or Zach Levine in this instance. But I will say Zach Levine and Kevin Love have played better than most other role players that would normally be on this list. Because, I mean, Harrison Barnes is not what he was when he was on the 2016 team or even going back to the FIBA team. When he was on the 2016 team, he was exactly what you're just describing. He was just that role player that knew his role. And I think that's what they're expecting. And then he kind of stepped out of pocket when he went down to Dallas and, you know, tried being the guy. Yeah, I thought I don't think he wanted to be the guy. I think Harrison thrived. I love how this conversation has switched to Barnes and Dallas. Harrison Barnes. Uh, <laughs> but like I was like, you look at Barnes and Dallas. I think he mainly went for the money because I, I believe the Warriors would have given him a bigger pay raise. He would have stayed for the championships. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, he's got one in there. He's in Sacramento now and he's played well in Sacramento. He's playing the same type of role he played with the Warriors. And yeah. they, you know, it seems to be working, but they're just not quite there yet. Yeah. But overall, I mean, I'm expecting this team to win gold. Drew Holiday, if he doesn't get hurt, he's been balling. Chris Middleton, of course, balling. Jeremy Grant, um, I was surprised to see him on here just because of how poor his team did. But he actually had a really good year for Detroit. He was on my most improved ballot. Yeah, Uh, I I would definitely would have voted him in. It was I was between him and Julius Randle for most improved. Julius Randle had a hell of a season. I would. So real quick, I'll just run you through who I have as my projected starting five for Team go USA, for and then we'll we'll go ahead and banter. I got Dame Dalla, Bradley Beal, KD, Draymond, and Bam Adebayo. And the only thing I get nervous about is our lack of size, but I just – I mean, we're going to put up 100, 150 points. You know, I don't think size will really matter at that point. Um, I don't know. Who do you see starting? I don't know who I'd put. I really hadn't thought that much about it. I'd probably – I wouldn't go Bradley Beal just because, you know, when you send your starters to the bench, I would much rather have Beal being the number one guy than Booker coming okay. off the bench. So, I'd and go – depend on if Booker ends up playing with his uh, – That's nope, right, too, yeah. I, I see what you're playing. Yeah, I have so, – because Beal can still run, you know, he could run the point if you needed to off the bench. Exactly. And I think that's a big fact because I, I don't necessarily want Devin Booker in a point guard role. I don't think that's his style. It doesn't fit him well. I don't think they'll get the best out of him that way. But I also don't want to take anything away from Drew Holiday either because that that is his role. Uh, from that perspective, I see that working if you had Booker coming off and you put in Drew Holiday. But I'd go uh, Lillard, Booker, Tatum, 
Durant. Probably Bam. It's like, because if I put, I mean, my, I guess Draymond Green and Bam could be flopped either way. Yep. Because you already have size there between, you know, if you look at, you know, Tatum and Durant, Durant's like seven foot. Tatum can play power forward. That would run up and down very easily, I think, with fast break opportunities and just being aggressive. It'll be an offensive show out for Team USA. You know, we're going to go and get as, our- as it always. You got, I mean, who on that team hasn't put up 30 points in an NBA game? The pinnacle of basketball. When they go play, Serbia, you know, the a one-man band team like that. Yeah. They're going to have 40, 45 points in, in a blink of an eye. I don't now, think. Jokic is supposed to play. Um, is he playing? For, he's, he's, he's supposed to be playing. Uh, Luka Doncic is already getting reps in with that team. Is he uh, playing for Croatia or Serbia? Luka's in for uh, – I thought Luka was in for Latvia. Okay, okay, yeah, Latvia, my bad. So Serb- Serbia is Jokic. Okay, so that, that's my biggest thing is our lack of size. You know, our biggest guy is – our biggest center, I should say. You know, Duran is seven foot, but he's not going to line up at the five. Our biggest guy is 6'10". Yeah, because, yeah, Bam's 6'10". Uh, Draymond's, what, 6'8", six, 6'7"? Six, yeah, around, I and think – he- uh, And we got Kevin Love, too. We don't, have a true, <laughs> we don't have a true center on Team USA when it comes down to it. But who's who's the Joker gonna pass to when we start doubling him? That's a good question. Cause I, I honestly think if you put Bam and Dr- I think Draymond would just frustrate him. Absolutely. It's like he'd all, frustrate him enough. All the hell out of him. And we saw him get frustrated in the second round series with Phoenix. Yes. Was it was it Cameron Payne? He just like threw to the ground. That little rat. <laughs> yeah. He got thrown out, and he was, you know, he went up pod. It was, it was just that split moment where you're like, ah, oh, he, he messed up. It's gold or bust for Team USA, but, I mean, that's per usual as it has been for the last 25 years, 30 years. That's right. That's right. Well, USA probably going to win gold, as always. I mean, we can't – much better team than what they sent for the FIBA World Cup in 2019. Absolutely. So, I, I can't argue with that. It's, it's going to be great. Lastly, I'm going to finish with some quick updates that's going around the league. Um, NFL helmet rule. Have you heard about it? Yes, they are going to allow a, a throwback concept to match the jerseys. Is that correct? Correct. What are some of the throwback options you'd like to see? Well, as a Packer fan, you know, it kind of is pointless to us. We've rocked the same helmet since the beginning of days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but – some, I mean, I like the Patriots with the down linemen. I would like to see Tennessee uh, fool around with the Oilers. That would be cool. I, I think really that would like be to see that. cool. And um, maybe Tampa Bay go back to the old Orange Pirate. Oh, yes. I've heard everything the, Everything I've seen posted about it is like, so they're bringing back the creamsicle jerseys, right? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's a lock or not, but, I mean, a Tom Brady creamsicle would sell through the roof. Oh, it definitely would. It would break numbers. Uh, it definitely what, about you? what are some things that, I mean, I just named a couple of them, but. Um, my biggest thing was the creamsicle jersey that the Bucks had. Um, really, there's not a whole lot of teams that get, I've heard a lot of people say, like the Seahawks, they want to go back to the silver helmet um, for at least some stuff. I don't know what really other teams would go back to. Baltimore doesn't really have 
anything no, they have to go back to. Uh, Panthers don't. Cowboys really only have one other option. I mean, it might better – it would better match like a, a throwback, but overall, I mean, it really doesn't make that much of a difference where it's like fans are really craving to have that helmet back. Like I feel like it's just it, – it's a very short list of teams where the fans are like, oh, yeah, we need that other helmet back so we can right. wear this uniform. Maybe if, if they wanted to, you know, the well, – I was about to say the football team. I mean, I think they're <laughs> – their pass has kind of been canceled, so they can't even go back to – I was going to say when they had the Joe Theismann and they had the different shade of burgundy, that wouldn't have been a bad look. But I know with the Was- with Washington, their biggest thing is that uh, – did you hear they actually uh, got denied for their trademark request for the name Washington football team? They did. They did. So if they don't figure they can, out something – not use that moving forward. They have to find a mascot. They would have well. They have to find a better way to describe football team to the committee. Apparently, <laughs> another individual had also filed for the same name trademark as the team did. Are they related at all to the University of Washington, or, or why did they? No, it did not say. Wow. That's so, but crazy. That, that, <laughs> basically, if Washington doesn't clean it up, people are going to people will legally be allowed to sell stuff with their Washington football team on it and they'll make no money off of it, which is hilarious. Cause this is just, I, I love seeing anything with Washington blow up in flames. <laughs> like it, it just, it brings me such joy. Moving on uh, MLB pitchers. They're being checked a lot, uh, especially for the spider tack and everything. They're checking the belts, the hats, the glove. Um, one pitcher uh, even, was request one pitcher had just even threw down his stuff and was just so upset he dropped his pants. Uh, my question to you: Do you think they're being checked too much? Do you think they're being overly aggressive? Like, what are your thoughts? I think a good way to do it is you check them before they go in, and you check them when they get replaced. If it's a closer, then you check them at the end of the game. But to pull a guy, you know, you've seen the highlight tapes. Scherzer's getting checked two, three times a game. Exactly. Now I have here, uh, was it Joe Girard? Joe Girardi? He actually got ejected. He requested a check and he came up clean. His, apparently he didn't have correct re, correct yep. or probable cause to check or whatever. So they ejected him. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. So uh, I, I don't know. It's, you don't, baseball games are taking forever and MLB's biggest thing is speeding up the game. This isn't this isn't helping out at all. In the do many it, ways that they've tried to speed it up, this is not helping. <laughs> right. Do it when they come in. Do it when they leave. If you find anything, okay, you got them. If not, I mean, this doesn't have to be an FBI investigation every other inning. Right. Now, I did see a picture. They were che- they haven't checked catchers. I saw a picture surface of something maybe being on the side of a catcher's mitt, and I was that like, is a very hmm. good point, Dalton. That that you bring there, you know. It does. The pitcher could throw the same ball four or five pitches in a row, and the catcher is touching the ball just as much as the pitcher. Exactly. Like the pitcher didn't specifically, you know, showcase anything weird, but there was definitely something on the glove. So I'm curious to see if they do anything with that. All right, we had the Stanley Cup Finals are set: Montreal Canadiens versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who's winning? Um, I'm a Badger guy. Cole Caulfield playing for the for the Canadians. I'm all in on him. I want to see him do well. Um, that starts tonight, right? Uh, yes. Yes. It uh, does. I'd like to see Montreal take it. 
just for Cole Call, Caulfield. You know, that that's my guy. I'm hoping the Habs take it because I'm tired of seeing Tampa win everything in the last couple <laughs> last of years. Year like, Lightning won last year. The uh, Bucks won uh, this year. Plus, it's Montreal's first appearance in 28 years Oof. in the Stanley Cup final. So, we've been um, alive. Montreal hasn't. Been, they really have. I'm really excited. I really hope they do pull it off, though. Um, still got some more NHL helmet ads. So this year, NHL experimented with ads on the helmets that the uh, players wear. They're supposed to stay. They're supposed to be a one-year thing. Now they're coming back for the following season. Do you have any thoughts on helmet ads? I'm not a fan of ads on, on jerseys as it is, you know, soccer. I wasn't digging the the patches on the NBA jerseys. Um, Me <laughs> I just think it takes away, as, as a consumer, you don't want – like I don't want to be a walking billboard for that. I want to be a be able to represent my team and like Atlanta's doesn't make any sense. Share care. Coca Cola should be right here. Right from Atlanta, exactly. So anything the, Atlanta related should be right here, not Share Care. Has Share Care been their sponsor since day one? So the Bucks are already on their second one already. We had Harley Davidson. Harley dropped them, and now we have Motorola, which is so like Bucks are on Motorola. Brooklyn is now on Motorola. Indiana is on Motorola. Indiana actually had theirs first. Okay. And I'm so, thinking like, why does Motorola feel like they need to be on multiple different teams? When they're not, yeah, I don't. I guess they thought the Pacers weren't going to do well, so they decided to go to Brooklyn. Right, they needed something else. So it is going to turn into companies. I mean, if it creates a bidding war, you know the owners are going to be all for it. And at the end of the day, that's who has the final say. I don't like the helmet advertisements. I know it's not on the jersey per se, but it's still like right. But it's still it, part of the attire for absolutely. I don't like it. Yeah, it's like ho- hopefully they won't add that for another year uh, after this coming year. But quickly, we got uh, Jason Kidd. He was selected as the Mavericks' new head coach. Do you think that's a better fit than Rick Carlisle? We had Jason Kidd as our head coach a couple of years ago. We, a lot of Bucks fans were hoping that. Mike Boonholzer would lose his job after this year so we could go and get Rick Carlisle. It was expected uh, that was ha- that that would happen. Right. And so, no, I think Rick Carlisle is a great coach. I think Mark Cuban's a good owner, but they just haven't gotten the job done. How he's, he was there for Dirk's team, right? Yes. So he was on Dirk. Jason Kidd was on the 11 team. Okay, and so now he's going to be coaching. I don't think Jason Kidd is a good coach. Um, he was brought in. He was a big name for us. We were an up-and-rising franchise. Um, Insane in Brooklyn. For, maybe he'll be good for Luka, but Luka's, Luka's a hell of a point guard already. It's not like he needs much coaching on what to do. Maybe he can give him a few pointers. Um, I think Dallas has bigger worries than, than their head coach. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Uh, and you're not wrong about that. Um, Chauncey Billups got the Portland job as of last, this weekend. Sometime yeah. this weekend it came out, he got the Portland job. Damian Lillard is getting a lot of pushback on that. What, what are your thoughts? Do you think that Chauncey is the guy to bring the Blazers out of the second round? To my knowledge, Terry Stotts was a huge players coach. It seems like all the players that have played for him like him. Uh, a lot. Um, this is for Chauncey's first head coaching gig, correct? Correct. Um, it'll be interesting. Let, let him give it a try. The, 
Portland's faced a, a, just a string of bad luck throughout the years. You know, they always have a good team and, and a good player dating back to even the Brandon Roy days. They're just, they always seem to be two pieces away, you know. Or, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Right. Or like they had to go and play against Golden State's teams a couple of years. You weren't going to beat them. And now LeBron moves to the West and they're going to have to, they're just, that team that is just going to be in the playoffs. It's almost a lock for them to be in the playoffs, but they ain't going to be able to pull through. Uh, kind of same thing. Best of luck to them. I don't think that's going to move the needle for them too much, though. I, I think some roster changes need to be done, but that's it's really hard to do because most of their players are still under contract. So the only way to get something done is via trade, and they don't really have a lot of options. Besides uh, McCollum and Dame, who, who else could you say is yeah. – the it's only lot. way they get a trade, they'd have to trade enough of those guys to get somebody else in. But at at the expense of that, I don't think it's a good way. It's a good deal for Portland. But we'll just have to see what happens with that this upcoming season. So, Dan of Flash Jerseys, it's been great having you on. Uh, hope to have you on again uh, sometime soon. Uh, Dan, where can people find Flash Jerseys? Absolutely, man. I am on Twitter. Um, at Freeman Flash. I'm on Instagram at Flash underscore jerseys. Um, you can also get our jerseys on depop.com slash Flash underscore jerseys. Um, we have unique jerseys, you know, one of a kind of jerseys that you'll probably not find anywhere else. We have brand new jerseys. We have uh, vintage jerseys from the past. And um, I'm always willing to down to, to just shoot the shit about sports and, and, kind of, you know, banter about jerseys. Right now, I think the Hawks, your Hawks have some of the best jerseys in the game. Those black and gold ones you have in the background are like... Yeah, I like the triangles better. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I, I like... Everyone, hate, everyone hates the triangles. Jerseys right now. They are they're clean. They're they're simple, but yet they're also different. Um, I'm only... I'm missing the white one from the, from the new set. That's all that, I'm missing. That they wore in game two, which I was like, damn, Trey Young makes that jersey look good. Um, yeah, I have the shorts to match this. I could do a full John Collins uh, get up at the park. Don't hang on to that, that weird guy. <laughs> Is that John Collins? <laughs> yeah, I got John here. I'm wearing Kevin Herter. Awesome. So, uh, we're, we're hey, I really appreciate it, dude. This has been a blast. And uh, I'm very excited to see where this playoff series goes. And, and I hope to be on again. Awesome. Thanks so much. Of course, you can find new and old episodes of the Jersey Watch podcast either on our website, jerseywatchsports.com, or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram, at underscore jerseywatch, and on TikTok, at jerseywatch. I'm your host, Dalton, and this has been Jersey Watch. Jersey Watch.